We kind of mentioned some of this in, in class, but we'll just jump back in with it. The purpose and goal of discipleship is for the inward reality of the new birth to become an outward expression of life. In other words, for what God has done in you to ultimately shine through you. And the example that we have of this in nature is the inward reality of an apple tree um, becoming an outward expression of fruit on that tree. You realize the first words ever heard by a human ear were from God to Adam, and they were these two words, be fruitful. So, you know, if you're going to, you know, inaugurate something or speak some words over something or, you know, what have you, then obviously, uh, you know, that what, what was it? Um, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, you know. And um, the first man on the moon, and, and obviously he put a lot of thought in those words. So how much more did God put some thought into the first words he was going to say to a human being? Um, and, of course, we know that uh, he was... God was not just saying be fruitful and giving him instructions, but he was empowering Adam and the descendants of Adam to be that. But what does that tell us about the importance of fruitfulness? You know, and it's sad to me that most people think that means have babies, and, and it means so, so, so much more um, than that. So the outward, the, the purpose and goal of discipleship is for the inward reality of the new birth to become an outward expression of life. Um, we've looked at this verse a time or two. I just want to show you a few things from this. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, first... So let me. I'm going to give you a few verses, and I'm going to tell you why we're uh, we're looking at these. So Second Peter, uh, chapter one, verses two, three, and four. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Has given to all, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, in these verses, we see, and the Holy Spirit gave me this terminology, we see new birth realities. Meaning what? Things that are now true about a person who has been born again. Not will be true, but are true right now, okay? Um, now, you don't have to know something is real for it to be real. And what God has done in you is real. I, I, I don't mean to get loud about that, but I'm just I'm saying there are a lot of people who make the mistake of thinking the new birth is some kind of figurative experience, that it's like turning over a new leaf. No, my friend, it is not like turning over a new leaf. It's like the old person you were dying and the new person being born a second time from a different seed. This is the reality of the new birth. Okay? So, we see in these verses that when we were born again, 
Father God created a new reality inside of you through the new birth. And the Bible speaks of these new birth realities in simple and and certain terms. I I don't know, I've been prone to say it this way, and I was looking at it. The Lord's helping me become a better writer and a better communicator, and that's my my goal and desire, uh, to please Him by being better at what I do. Max Lucado, a, a, a really popular Christian author, he's also a pastor, he said that preaching made him a better writer and writer made him a better preacher. And, um, and I'm like, Lord, do that uh, in me. And so I, I looked at it, how I originally um, uh, wrote this in my notes is, I said it this way, the Bible speaks of, these, of new birth realities in simple and no uncertain terms. Am I the only one that's ever used that? No uncertain terms. I'm like, well, if it's no uncertain terms, then that means it would be certain terms, right? Amen. So I don't know why I'm telling you all that, but I'm just telling you. So it's here, and I want you to catch this now, and the Holy Spirit's going to help you if you'll lean into this with me tonight. Some of you, the devil's already trying to tell you that I'm talking over your head. I am not talking over your head. And these things are not just taught, they're caught. And what I mean by that, I mean that we're going to get together in faith tonight And I'm going to do the best of my ability to communicate to you what I believe the Holy Spirit has given to me to communicate to you. But our ultimate confidence is in Him and in His ability to help us get what we need to get from what He's saying to us tonight so it will make the difference in our lives. So when I say the Bible, let me try to express my heart to you and what what I want to communicate. More importantly, what I feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate to you here is the Bible speaks of these new birth realities in simple and certain terms. So here's a classic example. I don't know if you picked up on this, and I was, I was intentionally wanting to read um, some verses tonight that contained within them new birth realities, okay? And then, and then come back and point those out to you. Because if we're not careful when we're, we're reading the Bible or listening to someone else you know, read and teach from the Bible, those things will just sell completely over our heads. And, and, and either we, they won't register with us at all or we'll think that they're talking about somebody else because surely and truly he's not talking about me. All right? So here, here is the new birth reality from 1 John chapter 4. The Bible says that as he is, this is Jesus now, As Jesus is right now, if you've been born again, guess what? So are you in this world. Now, I I could try for the next um, five Wednesday nights to, to put into context the implications of that one statement of truth right there. And the Bible says it like, um, you know, not that it's not that the Bible says it like it's no big deal, okay? But when I say simple and certain terms, it's not like the Bible's trying to talk you into believing this. In other words, the Bible's written from God's perspective to you, and and it's almost like God is saying, uh, "Hey, in case you didn't know, as Jesus is, so are you in this world." It's not an off the cuff comment by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not trying to imply that way imply it that way but this is such a profoundly important statement i remember many years ago um i i found this verse in the bible when i say i found it it really found me i had read first john many times but for some reason this time through i was probably uh early 20s um and 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 this verse it just so i'm like does the bible really say that and then i'm like okay the bible says that but is that what that really means 
as he is, so are we in this world. I mean, come on, God, is this, is it really mean that? Are you really saying that? Is that true about me? Because if that is true about me, and if that is true about you, then God sees something about us that we don't yet see. And it's absolutely true. And God speaks of it like, oh yeah, that, that's how it is. Okay? So the magnitude and far-reaching impact of this statement is off the charts, and yet the Bible states it matter-of-factly. Or should I say matter-of-truthly? Now, as he is, so are we in this world. If you've been born again, that's true about you right now. Even if you've never heard the verse. Even if you've never had anyone like me or, or, or another preacher teacher, what I mean by that is, is someone who stands in front of you and says, hey, by the way, in case you didn't know, there's something real about you because in order for it to be a reality, it has to be real. There's something real about you. There's something true about you right now that you may have never understood. You may have never considered. It, you may not feel this way. You may not think this way. You, you may not have experienced anything that's even seemingly connected to this, but here is the new birth reality. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, if you've received His gift of salvation, then as He is, so are you in this world right now. I gave you a couple more in 2 Peter. 2 Peter says this, it says that you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness and it says you are a, partake, a partaker of the divine nature of God. <laughs> See, this is, these, are the, these are the realities of the new birth. If you've been born again, this is what's true about you right now. Okay? Now, we, we could go on. I, we mentioned a few of these uh, as well last week. How about this one? New birth reality number four. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. New birth reality number five. You are an heir of God and co-heir with Jesus. Do you know why Jesus has not been told by God the Father when he will come and get us? See, the Bible says that, that when Jesus comes to this earth to... Um, uh, to get us, that he doesn't know when that's going to be. And the reason he doesn't know when that's going to be is that if Father God told him, he, then we would be entitled to that same information. That's what it means to be a co-heir. Anything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Anything that's been given to Jesus has also been given to you. You have been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. You are an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. And then here is, and we'll just look at six tonight. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, when we say the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life, all of these six things are true about you right now if you've been born again. But if you are not aware of them, listen to me now. If nobody's ever explained this to you, you say, well, there's no way that could be real about me because I don't know anything about this. But remember the statement we made a moment ago. Something can be real and you not know it. Okay? You don't have to know it for it to be real. So we're talking now about what's real in you, even if there's no evidence of it in your 
outward expression of life. Are you, come on now, I need you to get with me tonight. This is, I, oh, sweet Jesus. See, we, we, we make the mistake of saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not living a righteous life, so there's no way there's a reality of righteousness inside of me. No, again, we're talking about different things that is extremely important for us to understand. So stay with me now, all right? Remember this one thing, and we, we talked about it more last Wednesday, and I'm going to mention it again. Our place is not to question God. He, identif- he uses this analogy. He's the potter, we're the clay, and the clay is not supposed to say to the hand that made it, why did you make me this way? Our responsibility is to understand what is true about us because we've been reborn and recreated in Christ Jesus to understand what has now been made real and true about us inwardly, okay? And then learn how to live from that place so that the inward reality of all of these things becomes fruit on our life's tree for us to experience and enjoy, for other people to experience and enjoy, and ultimately for our Creator Father who's done these things in us to be glorified by them. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you uh, uh, three verses that really just jumped off the page at me this past week. Okay? These verses were not in my notes. Last, some of this stuff was in my notes last week. We didn't get to it. But this, this is an addition, and, and the Holy Spirit led me to these verses. As a matter of fact, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't tell you this to, what I, how, do I, how do I say this? I recently read Philemon. I, I could look back, I mean, I want to say last week or week before last, I read Philemon and I read these verses, but there was a, a portion in here, maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, I don't know, but... It was actually later that the Holy Spirit prompted me to go back to this. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, he prompted me and I thought that, that what was in Philemon was actually in Hebrews. I was looking in Hebrews for it, okay? But now, this is, this is matter of fact, let me say this. If you don't get anything else out of what I say tonight, I want, I want you to really hear what Philemon has to say to us, all right? Philemon um, is only one chapter, so it's obviously chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. I'll put them on the screen. Paul says this by the Holy Spirit, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What's the phrase that jumped off at me? The acknowledgement, the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what it means to acknowledge something? A simple way to to understand acknowledging something would be to admit something to admit it to admit it is to acknowledge it let's say somebody sends you an invitation to 
um, a graduation uh, event or something like that. Well, to acknowledge it would be to respond, to recognize, to, to communicate to that person in some way. Congratulations on this milestone event in your life. Um, here's a $50 bill, uh, go buy you something nice or whatever. You know. In other words, that's an acknowledgement. That, that is uh, a, a recognition that this person has thought enough of you to share with you some milestone event in their life, okay, that you would acknowledge it. Amen. I know that I sent a lot of, uh, uh, you know, when I graduated high school and college, I sent graduation invitations to people, amen, and some people acknowledge the, you know, that they received that. Other people never even acknowledged that I sent it to them, all right? So to, and that's okay, amen. So to acknowledge means to recognize. It means to admit. It means to, to, to say, you know what? Praise God. Um, this is something that, that's going on. This is something that's happening. This is something that's real, so forth and so on. It's an acknowledgement of it. Have you ever spoken to someone and they didn't acknowledge you? Right, you're supposed to say, hey, how you doing? They, didn't, they just kept walking, right? Maybe they were deep in thought. Maybe they didn't hear you. Maybe they just been snooty. I don't know, okay? So to acknowledge is, to, is it means that something has happened, and, and then to acknowledge it means now you're responding to it, okay? Now, in this case, he's saying for us to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus, now, watch this. I've given you six that we could, could just, we could take them one at a time and preach six weeks each on them and not even cover everything the Bible has to say about you've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not will be given, have been given. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Um, you are a partaker of the divine nature of God. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, again, and these, these are just the first six. I've got a long, long, long list extensive list of, um, of, of all the new birth realities, of everything the Bible says is true about you and in you right now because you've been born again, all right? How can you acknowledge something that you don't even know exists? So when he says, by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you, he's saying that, hey, you... Do you not understand there's freedom in you? Do you not understand there's righteousness in you? Do you not understand there's power in you? Do you not understand there's wisdom in you? Do you not understand? In other words, all these things that God's put in you, most of God, and I'm, that's a strong statement, but I'm, I'm, I'm believing that it's true. And, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't believe I am. Most of God's people never acknowledge the good things much less every good thing. They don't even acknowledge a few good things that are in them because of Christ Jesus, much less every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's make another connection while we're here, and maybe in the days to come we'll circle back around to this. But the verse begins, verse 6 begins, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Let's stop right there, okay? That the sharing of your faith may become effective by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, okay? Now, we tend to think of the sharing of our faith as telling somebody about Jesus in hopes that they will hear that and receive the gift of salvation. And that's certainly an important part of, 
of the sharing of our faith. But did the Bible tell us to only love people in the words that we say to them? No. The Bible said that we should love not only in word, but in action, in deed, in what we do, and in truth. Truth love is something that is demonstrated. It's not just something that is said. It's very hollow if somebody says all the time to you, I love you, but you know, doesn't have, want to have, spend any time with you, doesn't have any, you know, you understand what I'm saying? It's, I mean, I love you, love you, love you, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what are we doing to demonstrate the love that we have for other folks? Well, see, effectively sharing your faith does, now I'm not one of those people that says, you know, you know let, your, let your words do all the, to- let your actions do all the talking. No, I'm one of those guys who believe actions speak louder than words. But remember, when it comes to sharing the gospel with another person, the, the power of God to salvation is in that message. So we gotta, you gotta tell folks. You, you got, in other words, a man or woman has got to hear what Jesus has done for them and decide for themselves whether they're gonna receive it for themselves or not. And we have been given the assignment of telling people that. But he's talking here not about doing that assignment but how to do it effectively and to do it effectively we need demonstration behind what we're saying okay so it it would be like you know let's say you're a vacuum cleaner salesman and somebody rings you ring the i'm sorry you ring the doorbell somebody answers the door and you go hey um i'm a vacuum cleaner salesman and um as a matter of fact, the vacuums that I'm selling, I don't even use myself. And, um, and I'm sure you probably don't want to buy one, so I'm sorry for disturbing you. And you turn and walk away. Well, I mean, did you try to sell them a vacuum cleaner? I mean, I guess technically you did. But how does a vacuum cleaner, how does a vacuum cleaner salesman sell a vacuum cleaner? Ma'am, if you'll just give me 10 minutes of your time, I'm going to show you how this vacuum cleaner right here, it's a Turbo 9000, and, and it'll, listen, I hope your carpet's glued down good, ha, 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 because it might just suck the carpet right off your floor. In other words, you, you, you sell it with words, but you also sell it with demonstration, right? Because that vacuum cleaner salesman knows that if they can ever get into your house and dump their little stuff out on the floor, and, and vacuum it up, and your carpets look better than they did before he dumped that stuff out there, they're pro- more than likely going to be able to sell you a vacuum cleaner. What did Paul say? Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in power and in demonstration. Jesus didn't just tell us about the love God has for us. He did. He did tell us that God loved us, but he did what else? He demonstrated the love of God. See, we're wondering why people aren't, aren't interested in, 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 in the Christian life. What are we demonstrating for them? What, what are we showing them? How are our lives any different or any better than theirs? Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you ought to come to church with me. I mean, I'm probably more depressed than you are, but hey, it might help. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Paul said, I'm going to tell you how to be effective in the sharing of your faith, Philemon. It begins with the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
Why, does, why is the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in Him, that's in us, in Christ Jesus, um, uh, pivotal in our being able to effectively share our faith with other people? It's because if we acknowledge the good things that are in us, that is the first and one of the most important steps of those inward realities becoming an outward expression of life. How can we ever express an inward reality that we never even acknowledge exists within us? You still hanging in there with me? <clears throat> All right, here's a here's a verse. Let's let's let's, let's run, make one last little run at it tonight, and then we'll we'll call it an evening. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. Now, let me please don't do it now. I want you to kind of hang in here with me. Uh, let me try to show you some things, and and hopefully what I show you, then you can take with you. But we really begin towards the middle to end of second corinthians chapter three okay with a very multi-verse multi-scripture verse um uh teaching on these things okay and if you remember from last week and week before second corinthians 3 and 18 is where he talks about um you and me looking into the mirror and seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus and our lives being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Okay. And that's a, that's a really important verse when we talk about how the inward realities of the new birth become an outward expression of life. All right. Now, so 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, now, verse 7, when this was originally written, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. So the thought and the explanation and the teaching continues. It's, it's all tied and connected together. Like, for instance, in these verses, he's going to talk about the life of Jesus being manifested in his body. That's the inward reality. If you've been born again, the life of Jesus is in you right now. And now Paul is saying that the life of Jesus that's in me, it, it being manifested through me. In, in other words, people being able to look at his, at his physical being and see the, a manifestation, a revealing of the life of Jesus in him, on him, and through him. You still with me? Yeah. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in our earthen vessels. Notice he's talking about us seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus, but he's wanting to make sure you understand that he's not just talking about something that you see here. Certainly we see it here in the, in the Word of God, but he's talking about our ability to see it here because we have this treasure. We have the treasure of the glory of God in Christ Jesus in our earthen vessels right now. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? I got the right bunch? I know I do. All right. So we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. The earthen vessel is speaking of your physical body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your body was made from the dust of the earth. So when he says that you have a treasure in an earthen vessel, 
The earthen vessel that he's talking about is not a clay pot sitting on your back porch. He's talking about the earthen vessel of your physical body. And that Father God has put treasure in your earthen vessel. Treasure like his righteousness. Treasure like his nature. Treasure like as Jesus is, so are we in this world. The image of his Son in us. All of these treasures, all of these things that are eternal and priceless, that money can't buy and good works can never earn, that have been freely given to us now, we have those things deposited in us. In this earthen vessel, we have a treasure. Now, in three different and important places in the New Testament, we find the word mirror used. Okay? There's other references to the, a concept of a mirror, like in Proverbs, for an example, he talks about the reflection, not in a mirror, but when you look in the water and how the water will reflect your face back to you. But in three important places in the New Testament we see that the word mirror is used, okay? Now, let's think, first of all, about what a mirror is, what a mirror does, what purpose, we could say it that way, a mirror serves. There's quite, think about it, I, I know it's pretty clear, I'm not looking for like some earth-shattering, profound concept that maybe we've never thought of, okay? But what do we use a mirror for? If God says, for instance, His Word is to, be, is to serve the purpose of a mirror for us, all right? What, what do we use a mirror for? We use a mirror to see what we are otherwise blinded to. Think about that now for a minute. If I need to see the back of my hand or the palm of my hand, I don't need a mirror for that. I can look at my hand right here without a mirror. As a matter of fact, if I'm trying to see my hand in a mirror, I'm probably going to get confused. I don't need a mirror to see my hand. I need a mirror to see what I can't see without it. Right? So when I shave in the morning, brush my hair, I'm not one of those guys that can brush my hair without a mirror. Okay, I need a mirror. Can't see my hair. See, I'm trying to see it right now. I'm being silly, but I can't, I can't see my hair. As far as I know, my hair's, you know, you with me? I went, I went and taught class one morning, came back to the church, used the restroom, washed my hands, looked in the mirror. I had, I had dried blood all down my lip. I mean, I forgave all of y'all for not telling me. I'm like, these people just let me have blood all over my face? Not, what? thought they loved me more than that. Why did I not know there was blood on my face? I, I can't see that. 
I needed a mirror to see it. And had I never looked in the mirror and had nobody ever told me that I had, uh, from cutting myself shaving, I had blood running down my face, who noticed if it didn't tell me? No, I'm just kidding. Blake saw it. He said, come on, man. Love me enough to tell me the truth. No, I'm just kidding. If nobody ever told me and I never looked in a mirror, I guess it'd be there until I washed my face the next day or later that day or whatever and washed it off. But even then I wouldn't have knew that I washed it off because I didn't know it was there. So before we even start to unravel what the Bible has to say about mirrors, the first thing we need to get nailed down is that the reason we need a mirror is that a mirror shows us what we can't see without it. Right? So there are things that are true about you right now that you cannot see and never will see until you look in this mirror right here. This mirror will show you. It's kind of like when I looked in that natural mirror and I'm like, what in the world? You know? In other words, I didn't know. Now I look into this mirror and it says I'm just as right with God in the eyes of God as Jesus because He made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm like, are you, are you sure, Lord? It's a mirror. It's, the reason it's a mirror is because it's designed by God to show me what I can't see without it. I want to say that 17 more times. That's so important. See, we've got to understand this before we can ever understand. So notice now when he's saying that we're looking into like a mirror and, and, and the reflection of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, he, he's not trying to show you something about Jesus. He's trying to show you something about yourself that you will never see without it. You'll, you'll never see it unless you see it in his mirror. Now, all right, let's, man, there's so much to talk about here. So there's two kinds of mirrors. I have one in my office, and I left it, and I meant to bring it with me. Maybe I'll remember to bring it next week, okay? I got one of them mirrors that you just, literal, a literal, so here's, let's, let's define some terminology, okay? There are, there are two kinds of mirrors. There are physical mirrors that will give you a physical reflection. In other words, all a natural mirror can do is show you your outward appearance. So there's a natural mirror. Hopefully you've looked in one today. You all look like you have. Okay, you look nice. But then there is a spiritual mirror. They serve, they work the same. It's just that one reveals natural images the other reveals spiritual images. One shows you what your outward appearance is. The other shows you the inward. Okay? Now let me tell you the critical mistake a lot of people make. When I look into the mirror in my bathroom, I don't see 
what I hope to one day become or look like. Do I? Does a mirror tell you what you're going to look like one day? No, it tells me good, bad, or ugly, right? It tells me what I look like right then. It tells me what's real. Not what I think's real. It tells me what's real, right? You know, I, I, I get in a, a new pair of pants that I haven't been able to wear in a while, and shirt that was little buttons under stress. Now it's, you know, I start thinking, yeah, man, I'm slimming up. And I reach down and get something, look in the mirror this way, and I'm like, whew, you know, what's, what's the point? Mirror don't lie. Mirror don't lie. See, we look into a natural mirror and we don't say, wow, I'm seeing what I'll look like 20 years from now. No, that's when I look at my dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we look a lot alike, you know what I'm saying? But we look into a spiritual mirror and it says, now you are a son of God. And it literally says that, by the way. And we don't see it now. We look into this mirror and we see what we hope to be one day instead of what we are right now. See, see that devil's messing with you. Because you look at this and it says you, you're as right as, and you go, but I ain't talking about me. So he says that, you, let, let's go back to it. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we're like, nah, I can't be talking about me because I, I, I need a car, I need a house, I need, uh, I got bills, I got, you know, so you talking about me. No, see, if you look in this mirror and it says, this is what belongs to you and this is who you are and this is what you've been given, and this is what you can do. It's not telling you what you might be able to do one day if you play your religious cards right and go to enough classes and attend enough church and go a certain period of time without cussing, smoking, or drinking that you know we'll somehow live up to and maybe this will be true. No, the mirror is telling you what's true about you right now. Our outward man is physical and can be seen in a natural mirror. Our inward man is spiritual and can be seen in a spirit mirror. The mirror of God's word that reveals the inward realities of the new birth are not an image of what you are trying to become, but what you already are. The image in a natural mirror, can you take a little bit more? The image in a natural mirror. The Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, if, if we were to keep reading here. I've got it somewhere in my notes. Here we go. 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for, for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we do not look at, we do not focus on the things which are seen, visible, but at the things which are not seen or invisible. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. Right? So you have this outward man, man with a womb, womb man. You have this inward man. A natural mirror will show you your outward man. The spirit mirror of the Word of God will show you your inward man. Not what you will become, but what you've already become. Yes, you're still with me. Now watch this. The reflection of my outward appearance in a natural mirror is temporary and therefore it's subject to change. We call bedhead at our house wampa head. I don't know where that came from. My dad says, jokingly in love, your hair looks like a stump full of granddaddy long legs. Meaning what? Meaning when you look in the mirror in the morning, you know, you probably got that crusty crust down your cheek and those whatever things in the corners of your eyes. And um, if my hair gets long enough, my kids say it's Johnny Bravo. Y'all remember him? You know? It doesn't look that way after I shower. It's a different reflection. So when I first wake up, I look. It's telling me what's real. It's reflecting a reality. But it's reflecting a reality that's subject to change. I get in the shower, clean myself up, shave, wash my hair, get out, comb my hair. Now, what I'm seeing in the natural mirror is different from what I saw 30 minutes ago. You ready for it? This one never changes. It never changes. If you're righteous now, because he made you righteous, you'll be righteous tomorrow. Are you following what I'm saying? Because it's eternal, it's not subject to change. Because it's temporary, the outward is temporary, the inward is eternal, the, the physical is temporary, the spiritual is eternal. Eternal means it will never change. Temporary means it's subject to change. So what we're talking about now is the difference between something that is a fact and something that is a truth. It was a fact when I first looked in the mirror in the morning that I needed some work, I needed some help before I went and faced the world. And so I got in the shower and I, and I, did, the, I did the grooming, I did the product in my hair, I did all that stuff, right? And now I'm looking completely different than I did when I first woke up in the morning. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Because that reflection is temporary, it's subject to change. There was actually a time when my hair was dark. It was, 
I mean, I, my hair started turning gray when I was 18. So what I see in the natural mirror is subject to change. But what I see in the spirit mirror, it never changes. It, it's, it's, it's eternal. And so because it's eternal, right, we're talking about something that is true as opposed to a fact. If something is factual, right, listen to me now, a fact can be a fact now but not be a fact later. It was a fact that my hair was a mess at 5.30, but uh, at a quarter to six, it's looking better. The facts have changed. But listen to me. If something is eternal, it's truth, and the truth never changes. And here is the last statement of the night. Are you ready? Truth can change a fact, but a fact cannot change a truth. It may be a fact that you're struggling with some temptation. It may be a fact that you caved into it today. It may be a fact that you've done things today that you wish you hadn't have done. God is faithful and just to forgive us. Just ask Him to forgive us. All that is, is factual-based stuff, but it doesn't change the truth of who you are in Christ. It doesn't, change the, it doesn't change the inward reality of the new birth in your life. It's, let me say it another way. And when I say dirt, I'm talking about flesh. It's just dirt trying to mask it. It's, 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 it's your earthen vessel trying to prevent the living water that's in you from flowing out of you. Let me say it another way, okay? It's trying to muddy the waters. It's trying to cloud it. So that what comes out of you is not pure and, and clear. It's cloudy, okay? Because the flesh got involved in it. Anytime the flesh gets involved in it, it's going to muddy it up. You with me? Anytime the flesh is, it's going to muddy it up, right? But it doesn't change, right? But let me tell you what can change the fact of areas in your life where you may still be struggling, the eternal reality of the new birth that's deep inside of you. All right? Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm probably going to have to say all that again, at least in one form or another, next week. For some of you, that's good news because you're like, i still got to get some stuff there. For others, it's like, is he really going to say all that again? I won't say it exactly like that. But let me, let me tell you why I'm, why I'm going to say it again. Okay. And because we've got to build this point. There's coming a day for some of you are already there and it's already happening, okay? There's coming a day when you're going to look in the natural mirror and you're going to see a spiritual image. It's one thing to see spirit here and to see natural there. But when you look in that natural and you actually see a righteous man staring back at you, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? You see a free man staring back at you. I'm convinced this is what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, that mirror dimly. He's saying that now we can barely see in our natural reflection 
the image of Christ. But it's increasing. It's increasing. So what is discipleship? What's the goal of discipleship? What's the purpose of discipleship? It's the inward realities of the new birth becoming an outward expression of love. Amen. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us. Lord, I thank you. I, man, I got so much, Father, that you've put in me about this. And Amen. I just pray that you would take what's been brought forth tonight and, Lord, help each person sort through it and apply it to their lives Lord, as, as needed, and help us, Lord, to continue to pursue truth in these areas, understanding in these areas. And Lord, may we start to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. In His name we pray, amen and amen. All right, your love, if nobody's told you that today, thank you for being here. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Sunday. You be blessed. Go shine on the people that you have in your life to shine on. Don't just tell them about Jesus. Demonstrate Him and His love and His compassion.